0: Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Morning, everybody. It is a privilege to celebrate uh, celebrate the season with uh, all of you, and it's great to be able to do that together. Um, So, actually, lots of churches celebrate Advent, uh, and there's often a a weekly theme, and there's no standardization to it. Like, there's all kinds of different themes that you go through. Um, We actually chose a somewhat uncommon one to start with, uh, repentance. Um, And… and we did it on purpose because it's, uh, it sort of shocks us a little bit. It's a very serious word, right? Repentance. Serious. Serious word. And, uh, and, and maybe it's, uh, it's something unexpected because we normally think of Christmas as uh, a happy, joyful time. And to start with a word that's serious, like repentance. Why are we doing that? Um, well, we decided to do that to send the signal that Christmas, while being joyful and fun, is at a deeper level. Serious business. Um, And what we're going to do is to—we're going to actually have the kids. I'm going to talk to the kids for a while, and you're going to help us, us adults at the very beginning, with uh, understanding why Christmas is actually really serious business. Um, And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the kids talk some with the kids and ask you uh, some questions about Santa, and then we'll be talking about Jesus and about Santa. So um, many of us often get things in our stockings, right? Sometimes from Santa— Right, you guys get that? Could, could anybody want to tell me um, what are some kinds of things that you get in, in these stockings? Rebecca? Okay. Candy, that's a common one, very common one. Caroline? LOL. LOLs. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> 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 Cash? What's it? Toys. Toys. Yes, little ones too, right? Not too big, right? Claire? Stuffed animals. <laughs> Stuffed animals. Is that what you just said? Jameson was going to say stuffed animals. Yes. Nikki. Little plastic dinosaur. Yes, here. What? Hair what? Headphones. 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 One more thing, Caroline. Books. books. Yes, also sort of small books. So these are the kind of things we get from Santa. They're usually little things that make us happy. They're little extra things that make us happy, right? They're, they're, they're not often things that we... we really desperately need, but there's stuff that, little extra things that make us happy. And Jesus also gives us little things, uh, extra things that make us happy too. But can anybody tell me the, when Jesus came, what did he come to give us? What was the main thing he came to give us? Rebecca? Life. Life, that's right. Right, what else? Yes, Claire? Holy, yeah, that's right. Jesus came to, yes, Jameson? forgiveness, right? So when Jesus came, he came to die on the cross for our sins, to give us life, to make us holy. So that's more than just a toy or some candy. Um, I have a cousin um, this last year whose kidney was failing, and if he didn't get a new kidney, he was going to die. Um, And and praise God, he actually got a new kidney, and, and he actually is doing fine right now. So what Jesus is giving us uh, came to give us is, is less like candy or stuffed animal and more like a kidney. So, so kids, a kidney is a part of your body, inside your body, that helps keep you alive. And if it's not working, then you won't keep living. So what Jesus came to give us is something that we needed to stay alive. If we didn't have it, he needed to save our life. And it's almost like getting a kidney. So, um, so kids, I'm going to give you something to do. Uh, just to help remind the adults about this. So whenever your, your, uh, your parents, if they hang up a stocking, I want you to tell them, I want you to say, maybe I'll get a kidney. All right? <laughs> so you could tell them, so whenever you put your stockings up, remember that? Whenever it goes up, say, say to your parents, maybe I'll get a kidney. And that'll be a way for you to help remind us parents that Jesus came not just to give us something little to make us, ha- to make us a little happier, but something that we needed. Second question for the kids to help us with, with Santa, there's a song that talks about Santa coming to town. You know what I'm talking about? And there's a line that says, he, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been, if you've been, so, for goodness sake, right? So, so why is it important to be good for Santa? Sarah? You want the toys? Yes? Anybody else? Jameson? Yeah, you could get coal if, you, uh, if you're not good. So here's another difference between Jesus and Santa. Santa comes for good kids who have been good. Right? That's what, we, that's what that song is about. Santa comes for good kids who have been good. But Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. I did not come to invite good people I came to invite sinners. So not only did Jesus come to give us more like a kidney than a toy, Jesus comes not for good kids, but for not so good kids and not so good adults. So that's why Christmas is serious business. So kids, you can help us adults uh, remember that. Now the rest of this time we're going to be talking mostly to adults. You kids can follow along. Is that okay for me to talk to the adults mostly from now on? Right. Thanks. Thank you. Now that we start our Advent season uh, with we start our Advent season with repentance to show us that Christmas is fun and family, but more than that, um, it actually presumes that the world has a big problem, and the only the most amazing and miraculous rescue mission could hope to fix it. It furthermore presumes that we are part of why the world has a big problem and that our rescue requires us to undergo a fundamental change and that change is what we call repentance. This verse for today's sermon is 2nd Chronicles 7:14. Originally, it was a promise given specifically to Israel having to do with Solomon's temple. So in chapter 6, Solomon had just built a temple and he prays to God and says, if this bad thing happens and we pray toward this temple, please hear us. If this bad thing happens, if we pray toward the temple, please hear us. If this bad thing happens, he keeps going through all these bad things that will happen uh, and please hear us. And would you please hear us and heal us and forgive us? And 2 Chronicles 7 is God's Answer to Solomon essentially saying, yes, I will do what you've asked. And 2 Chronicles 7.14 uh, reads this way, and, and it has a beautiful and clear picture of repentance and how repentance works, and that's how, what we're going to sit in this morning. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Holy Spirit, we ask you to enlighten our hearts. Jesus, will you show your face to us in your word? God, we know that nice sounding music and pretty sounding words uh, from a, a preacher are nothing compared to your spirit speaking to our hearts. Lord, so as we open your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would say something to our hearts. We ask that you would open up and soften our hearts and speak specifically words of challenge and words of comfort to each person in the place that we need to hear it. Lord, would you use the words that I'm speaking and the words of the songs that are being sung and the words of prayers that people are praying to be able to turn our hearts to you who are really the only one that we need to listen to. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So those of you who are here for that amazing uh, week with uh, uh, service with Karen Green last week, she defined repentance. Do you remember that? She said a lot of things, but I remember she was right here. She said, repentance means when you have your sins and you turn away from them and says, I'm not going back there no more. Right? That's repentance. And that's a great, that's a great definition of repentance. In this passage, it's it's, uh, depicted in the the phrase, turn from their wicked ways. That's what repentance means, turning away from wicked ways and going in the other direction. Turning from our wicked ways is different from feeling bad. It's different from just feeling bad. The reason why actually I don't like repentance is that repentance is is usually associated with doing something wrong, and when I do something wrong, I feel bad, and I don't like to feel bad. Um, And it's fine to feel bad when we do something wrong. It's certainly better than feeling good when we do something wrong. Um, But repentance is different than feeling bad. Sometimes, actually, it's easier for us to just feel bad about ourselves than actually to turn away from what caused the problem in the first place. As a matter of fact, we could get stuck with feeling bad, with doing something wrong and say, oh, well, I'm just a rotten person, or I'm a terrible husband or wife, I'm a terrible parent, I'm a terrible this, and just get stuck wallowing there and not actually turn from the thing that, that's got us in the first place. And so what we're going to see in this verse is a... Is a is a way to help us understand what is the way that actually gets us to repentance. How do we actually get to repentance to turn from our wicked ways? Notice that the verse doesn't just say, if you turn from your wicked ways, then I will heal you and forgive you. There's some, there are things that come before it. Notice what comes immediately before turning from your wicked ways. The verse says, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Seek my face. And the thing we need to understand is you can't really turn if you don't seek. You can't really turn if you don't seek. And the way that works is the, the reason why that's the case is it's not actually very easy to turn from our wicked ways. Um, in the Bible, the word ways refers to ingrained habits. Things that are repeated and reliable patterns of behavior. Things you do over and over again automatically because you can't help it. That's what ways are. When the Bible talks about your ways are not God's ways. We're talking about our repeated patterns of behavior. How we do stuff automatically and how God does stuff automatically. God's ways. And it said God's ways are not our ways. When the Bible says that uh, when the people of Israel, right before they went into the promised land, God said, there are people living in this land that don't follow the ways of God. So don't imitate their ways. Don't follow their ways. They're going to have ways they do things that are just automatic and habitual. And that's how they do it. And you're not to follow their ways. And so because a way is not just a mistake, it's actually a pattern. It's something that we are in, in some ways stuck in because it's automatic. Like sometimes habits, like if you have a habit like a nervous tick, like sometimes I'll click pens, you know, that's like a way. Now, that doesn't, that's not a sinful way most of the time, I guess, but that's a habit. I can't help if I've got a pen, I just click the pen. Click, 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 click. Um, some of us have had experience with addiction in one form or another. Addiction is a great picture of a way. It's something that it, it, you, you can't help it. You just do it over and over and over again. So here's why it's hard to turn from uh, your wicked ways. It's because it's so much of a habit that it just draws you toward it. It's like a heat-seeking missile. If you're going after something, if it moves, you just move with it. You keep following after it. You can't help it. And here's the other thing about wicked ways. If you, let's say you're a heat-seeking missile. If you turn from one wicked way, you're like a heat-seeking missile, you're likely to just attach to another wicked way, Right? Um, it's like if you, if you are used to, um, like for instance, um, for me, one of the, one of the, my patterns is, uh, uh, one of my patterns of sin is, is actually, um, sort of getting absorbed in myself and not paying attention to other people, not listening to them. I can be sitting there and just someone's talking and not listening to them, or I feel like I just need to be by myself and just everyone leave me alone. I'm just going to be, and so if I don't do it, if I, if I, I can do that, um, by with watching Netflix. If I stop watching Netflix, then I'll do it by surfing ESPN.com, right? Like you, you just find another way to do it. You know, so, so if you, if, um, and that's the way a wicked way works. And that's why you can't turn if you don't seek. It's like the heat-seeking missile. Unless we attach to God, we're just going to be a heat-seeking missile that finds another wicked way to follow. So you have to seek in order to turn. If we don't seek after God, then we're just going to follow under some other wicked way. Seeking God's face is recognizing that God himself, that God himself is is what we need and that we can find in God what we think we need when we're pursuing our addictions, right? It means we, we can find in God what we think we need when we're following our addictions, for instance, I, I'm again. I've said I'm the kind of guy who, who likes alone time to be by myself, and so what happens with that is that I find I, I think I need that, right? And so I think I need ways to get a break from everything, and get a break from everybody, and and uh, uh, and, and it's it's all right to take breaks, and it's all right to have alone time, right? Um, but but for me to understand that what I really need is not a break, what I really need is the face of God. What I really need is not to say, you know, I just need the kids to leave me alone for a while and just watch what I want on my computer screen or what. Like, that, what I really need is the face of God. And that is why you can't really turn in, if you don't seek. Now, if we look in this passage, there's something that comes before seeking. It comes before seeking. So you can't really turn if you don't seek, but you can't really seek if you don't pray. If my people pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. You can't turn if you don't seek, but you can't really seek if you don't pray. Now this word for praying here is uh, not praying in the sense of saying your prayers at mealtimes or bedtimes. It's not even talking about like having a regular quiet time, like you have to have a disciplined prayer life. This, This word pray is more in the sense of requesting or even pleading, like crying out like saying, God, I help, I need this. We can't seek God without asking God to help us. We can't even seek God without begging God to help us. In other words, even seeking God, even wanting God, is not something we can do on our own. We can't even want God without asking God to help us to want God. That's why praying comes before seeking. Like you might think that these these would go in the opposite uh, order, right? First you turn from your sins, then you seek God, and then you're able to pray. But it actually goes in the opposite order if you notice here. First you pray, then you're able to seek God, then you're able to turn from your wicked ways. So the bad news way to, to put this is that You and I can't even want God unless we ask Him. The Bible said there's none that is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks after God. None of us actually want God. We all actually want our wicked ways more than we want God. That's the truth. So until we can ask God, we can't seek God and we can't turn. But here's the good news way. Here's the good news way to put this. You don't have to want God in order to ask to want God. You only have to want to want God. Repentance and seeking God is something we can ask for even before we want it. You can be in your sins, stuck in your sins. You can be cold to God and not even want God. But if there's one little part of you that can ask God and say, I want to want to and I can ask God, that can be the beginning of seeking God and of turning. That's the good news about saying that we can't want God without God. And then the final step uh, uh, where the whole thing starts uh, of the sequence that leads to repentance is humility. You can't be healed, uh, actually. You can't get your kidney if you don't turn or repent. You can't turn if you don't seek God And you can't really seek God if you don't ask God for help. But you can't ask God for help until you are humbled. That's the first part. You can't ask God until you're humbled. Now, how does this humility here happen? How does the humility here happen? Um, In most Bible translations, it actually is translated in a way that I think is not that helpful. In most translations say, um, if my people humble themselves and then pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. It makes it sound like um, humbling is something we do to ourselves. Like we can, you have to make yourself humble, and then you pray, and then seek God, and turn from your wicked ways. But actually, that's not really how this verse reads. Um, uh, I'm going to read it from Young's literal translation. It's actually like from the 1800s, but it's it's a, it's, probably the most literal English translation you can get out there. It's really old. But it it reads like this. Now, let me remind you that the previous, remember in the previous verse, um, Solomon asked God, if all these bad things happen and we pray to you, please, please turn, you please listen to us, right? And this is God answering him. If I restrain the heavens and there's no rain, and if I lay charge on the locusts to consume the land, and if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are, on whom my name is called, be humbled and pray. Now let me, let me read that again. And see, if you read it, this is not the picture of a people who decide, I'm going to make myself humbled. This is a picture of people for whom life is not going their way, and life just makes them humble. Right? Let me read it for you, for you again. If I restrain the heavens and there's no rain... If I lay charge on the locust to consume the land, if I send pestilence among my people and my people on whom my name is called be humbled and pray and seek my face and turn for their weak, wicked ways, then I will heal them. The picture in here is that where does humility come from? Humility comes from life if we let it. Humility comes from life automatically if we let it. You see, if you look in chapter, chapter 6, it, it, he talks about all these bad things that can happen. It talks about defeat, and we all face defeat. We fail at something. It talks about famine, and we all lack things at times. There are things that we think we need, and we feel we need, and we don't have it. It talks about sin. It talks about doing things that, that are against God's law. It talks, about, um, it talks about defeat, where enemies come against us. It talks about illness and sickness, and all these things happen to us. And when life happens... There's lots of ways we can respond to it, right? Um, if life happens and things don't work out the way we like it, one thing we can do is we can just say, um, it's someone else's fault, right? Someone's treated me, someone's done me wrong. That's why life has gone this way. And, and they or that, should, they shouldn't have done that, right? That's one way, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. They did this and that's why life isn't going well. That's why that didn't work out. Another thing we can do is we can just try to make it better to say, hey, you know what? Life has not gone well. And I'm just going to fix it. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try a new way. I'm going to keep working on it. I can beat this thing. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I just get, sometimes I, I just sort of pretend I don't care and say, I just, I give up. I don't care. I don't really care. But there's another thing we can do is we can let life humble us. Let life humble us. Now, that's not saying that I'm, I'm no good and I'm a nobody. That's, that's another bad way to go. That's another unproductive way to go. But for life and the bad things in life to show us that I'm not really in control, I have things that I need that I can't fix, I am much smaller than this life. I'm important to God, but, I'm too, but, but life is too big for me. And that is what the picture is, is that if the, the tribulations of life, if we allow them to make us humble… That's the first step for us to be able to cry out to God and seek God's face and turn for our wicked ways and receive healing. That's the pathway to repentance. The pathway to the repentance starts at the most universal thing that we could all experience, life, and the way that life throws things at us. So let me ask you, where are you this morning on this pathway to repentance? Where are you? Are you a pl- at a place um, where you, you, just, you came here this morning ready to turn from your wicked ways, that you know that God is, is saying, I want you to turn back to me from whatever this pattern of sin is. If that is, praise God, I'm really glad you're here. Most of us don't start that way. Most of us don't come in uh, to, to worship or to pray in our, in our daily time with God, saying, I, oh, I'm, God, I'm ready to turn. Some of us are in places to say, you know what, I'm sort of stuck I'm in a place where um, I've been trying my best to change. I've been trying my best to to be a a person who follows you and I'm not there. Um, Maybe for you, the key is to seek God's face, not to worry so much about trying to break a bad habit, but to know that, that you really want God, that what you really want is God more than whatever you get out of your sin. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're in a place um, where, you know, I, that sounds nice. It sounds nice to be able to turn and seek God, but I'm not sure. I think I'm, I'm pretty fine. I'm not, it's, it's, it's not something I'm really interested in right now. For you, maybe the place is to ask. To ask. If there's a part of you that says, you know what, I can walk out of here today. And I can pretty much go on with my life and, and uh, s- sin my wicked ways or seeking God's face. You know, I can take it or leave it. And even those who have been Christians for a long time can go through periods of time that are like that. And maybe for, for us, the thing to do would be to ask. To say, God, I, I, I'm asking you. I can't do this on my own. I can't even want you on my own. Will you please give me a heart that wants to seek you first and then turn for my wicked ways? Or maybe um, you're someone who is, uh, who's not even in that place. You're just saying, I don't even know what the starting point is of this whole, of this whole thing. Well, um, for you, the challenge is, look at this life. Look at the life that you're, that you're living, the life that you're, you're um, walking through right now. Are there hard things in it? And how are you responding to the hard parts of your life today? All of us have had, you know, uh, praise God if you've had a great week this week. Um, But most of us have had something this week that didn't go our way, and many of us can think of the last number of weeks and months. There's something in our family, in our home, in our job that's really, really like it's just it's just going it's just going terribly. Will you let that turn you to humility? Will you let it tell you not that you're worthless, but that you're too small, not that you can do it, but that you're too small? Not that it's someone else's fault, although it might be someone else's fault, but that you're too small. Because if my people will humble themselves, cry out, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal them. I will hear them. I will heal them and heal their land. Lord God Jesus, we thank you that you came not for the the healthy but the sick, that you came not for the righteous, but for sinners. We thank you that you give us the gift and the opportunity and the privilege of repentance, not to just be people who beat ourselves up and feel bad, but to receive your healing. Lord, wherever anybody is in the room today, I pray that you would touch each of us, that you would tell us where we are on this pathway to repentance. Repentance is a lifestyle, not something that we do one time in our life, but the way that we live our life. Lord, for those of us who know that we're stuck somewhere, Lord, would you give us the heart to seek your face, to know that you are beautiful and good and sufficient and that we need you more than anything else and that we can, we can chase after you instead of our sin. And for those of us that aren't even in the place of wanting you, Lord, would you give us a heart to ask? Would we even in this moment say, God, I, I don't want you, but I want to want you. And there are those of us who have just been going through life and facing the challenges of life. And Lord, would you would you open our eyes and ears to say that the troubles of life are not just things that have gone wrong, but they're things that give us an opportunity, an invitation to become humble, to know that, we, that the world and this life is too much for us and that that would bring us to pray to you. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.